they're not saying this was a perfect phone call, that Trump didn't do anything wrong. Um, they're just trying to find some wiggle room for themselves to keep their base happy and to keep the president happy. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. The impeachment trial and now awaiting the final verdict. President Trump awaiting that final decision in the Senate. Democrats calling the trial a sham after Republicans voted against calling witnesses. The yeas are 49. The nays are 51. The motion is not agreed to. It's a grand tragedy, one of the worst tragedies that the Senate has ever overcome. America will remember this day, unfortunately, where the Senate did not live up to its responsibilities, where the Senate turned away from truth and went along with a sham trial. This, if the president is acquitted with no witnesses, no documents, the acquittal will have no value. All right, let's get reaction now from the Indiana delegation. More of our conversation with Democratic Congressman Andre Carson coming up. But first, Republican Senator Mike Braun, who I spoke with earlier this week about the politics of impeachment. This is political. It was political because they started talking about impeachment from the day uh, of inauguration. It came over in a purely partisan way, and then it upends an election and prevents another one. I think the fact that this is happening nine months from an election says it all. Those are foundational issues. When it comes to Bolton, Alan Dershowitz, I thought he had the most compelling presentation when he talked about the constitutional weakness of the case and then said, let's focus on this idea of a quid pro quo. He explained that in a way that that can never rise to the level of being impeachable. And all along, I've said that, you know, the fact that it was even broached in a subject, you know, that wasn't appropriate, but it's not impeachable. And I think if the case had been built on that, uh, we might be in a better place for people that are having trouble making up their minds. Bolton's information, I think, even if you take it exactly the way we think it might be, and we don't know that, is Dershowitz made it clear that does not rise to being impeachable. You've been incredibly visible here in the media in recent days defending the president. Can you talk about the decision to be out front and center on this, as opposed to other senators like Senator Young here in Indiana, who's kept a much lower profile uh, during the course of the trial? So I'd say that'd be for a couple reasons. Uh, you know, when I ran for Senate, it was because I wanted to come here and really, you know, do what I think President Trump embodies, and that's being not happy with business as usual here. And being here a little over a year, there is a lot of room for actually taking on what's wrong about the institution. So running for that reason, I thought you needed to step out. And I, it, for me, regardless of what you think about President Trump's style, uh, to me, his policies and his agenda speak for themselves. But if you're silent, I think that means maybe you weren't on that wavelength. And every senator here has got that different degree of what brought them here in the first place. Uh, I'm disappointed with the recent votes. Uh, you, you have uh, former National Security Advisor uh, John Bolton, who has 
stated very publicly and explicitly that he is willing to come testify and act as a witness in this trial, uh, but Leader Mitch McConnell has refused to allow him to come forward. Um, thank goodness for our friends in the Fourth Estate, the press, you all who have been reporting on this very diligently and, 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 and regularly to counter Trump's uh, strategy. He's a brilliant marketer of muddying the water so much that he causes and he hopes to cause more and more indifference amongst the electorate so that he could get reelected and avoid being prosecuted for these, these very obvious and blatant crimes. Would you be open to the House Intelligence Committee calling someone like a John Bolton or Lev Parnas? Absolutely. I think that, that uh, my, my friend and colleague, Chairman Schiff, has, has demonstrated phenomenal leadership as well as Speaker Pelosi, but uh, I'm certainly welcome, especially as the chair of the subcommittee on counterproliferation and counterterrorism and counterintelligence. I would love to see additional witnesses come before our committee. All right, part of my conversation last week there with Congressman Andre Carson. Reaction here from presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, who said, quote, one way or another, this presidency will come to an end. I'm running to be the president who will help pick up the pieces of our divided nation, turn the page on the corruption, and chart a bold new path forward. All right, let's turn now to the campaign trail. Tomorrow, the all-important Iowa caucus. And today we're on the ground in Iowa, joined by Importantville's Adam Wren, who's covering the Buttigieg campaign. Adam, what can you tell us about the mood out there as the Buttigieg campaign ramps up here for the final 24 hours before the Iowa caucus? Well, Dan, it's, it's a really tight race right now. Uh, they're optimistic. Uh, the Buttigieg campaign spent most of the weekend barnstorming the state. Uh, he chartered a plane on Friday to get... Uh, across the breadth of the state, uh, and they have just announced that they are holding a, a caucus night watch party at Drake University, uh, and later today, uh, the candidate will be back in Des Moines uh, campaigning uh, with a Get Out the Caucus event here. It, it seems as if lately he's been targeting a, a lot of typically Republican counties there in Iowa. What can you tell us about the strategy there as he fights really for that moderate lane with Vice, former Vice President Joe Biden, who's kind of been after Buttigieg a bit on the campaign trail lately. That's right, Dan. They are trying to expand the caucus electorate. They're trying to uh, get out to the caucus, disenfranchise Republicans, Republicans who have felt let down uh, during the Trump era. And so he's spending a lot of time in deep red parts of the state, uh, hoping that he can convince, as he calls them, future former Republicans to come out Monday night and caucus for him. It, it, the polls have been very close, but they've shown Senator Bernie Sanders really surging of late as the Buttigieg campaign uh, concerned about what they're seeing from Sanders. I know they've been sort of using that message, messaging lately in, in fundraising emails and whatnot. Yeah, for the first time on Friday, uh, we really saw Buttigieg start to go after his competitors by name, something we haven't seen uh, during the months that he's been in the race, uh, calling out uh, former Vice President Biden, as you know, not willing to take a risk uh, on, on a more progressive future, calling out Bernie Sanders as not someone who's not electable in the general election. So uh, he is uh, starting to, uh, to sharpen his, uh, his elbows and, and throw some elbows in the race. Uh, a big upset if he were to win there tomorrow night. What is their best hope? Hoping for one of those top two or three spots? You know, I think that uh, they believe that he needs to perform well uh, they're not kind of putting a place to, to where they think they can finish. But certainly if he uh, finishes behind former Vice President Joe Biden, that would certain, certainly be a blow to his campaign. Um, he would have to find a rationale uh, to, to continue to move forward uh, after that. 
you know, it's it's looking like uh, if polls are any indication that Senator uh, Bernie Sanders from Vermont is in a really good spot. And so Buttigieg could potentially use a second place finish behind Sanders to argue that, look, uh, if you're interested in someone who's who's more moderate, who's potentially more electable, you know, I could be your candidate. That's the pitch that the campaign is making. All right. A lot of this is about the expectations game, no doubt, when it comes to the polls. We'll look at some of those polling numbers coming up. Adam, thank you so much there in Des Moines for us today. Meantime, the president also in Iowa this past week on the campaign trail. Up next, our panel talks about this week's top stories, including the Iowa caucuses and the impeachment trial. The president perhaps ready to take a victory lap this week with a couple big moments on national TV. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Time to bring in our panel now on this very consequential week in politics. We are joined today by former Republican state lawmaker Mike Murphy, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, and Democratic strategist Laura Beck with us today as well. All right, the Iowa caucus tomorrow, State of the Union Tuesday. The president also on national TV later today. Quite an opportunity, perhaps, these next few days for the president to perhaps try and take a, a victory lap here and also a moment for whoever wins Iowa to have a, a big moment on the national stage this week. I think, I think you're right. Um, we don't know about the, the, the finality of the um, the, uh, and the, the ultimate impact. Uh, the ultimate impact. Yeah. That's right. But I think in Iowa you're seeing some changes, um, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night, but, you know, Klobuchar seems to be moving up the pack as opposed to down. She stepped in front of a couple of people. We'll see how she does. Um, I think that uh, Trump, if he's smart, will just spend most of his time on the economy because the economy is undeniably in pretty darn good shape right now. What, what do you think we will hear from, from the president uh, at the State of the Union? And as we've been watching the Senate floor this week, what, what kind of a moment is this uh, here for, for our country? Well, if, uh, if his speech last week uh, is any uh, prologue, he's going to declare that I was impeached and you guys can't stop me. Um, hopefully the State of the Union will be a little bit more, um, I don't know, highbrow than that. But I think he is going to take a victory lap. And I think this is, and we've all been waiting for it, but this is the week when the 2020 campaign actually gets started. Iowa's going to be a big deal. Impeachment's a big deal. State of the Union's a big deal. What do you think we'll hear at the State of the Union? And is there any concern Republicans in the Senate could pay a price politically for not hearing witnesses in the trial? No, I don't, I don't think. Uh, I, th I think the, the, the decision to, to vote against hearing witnesses is the right one for those senators that did so. Uh, I don't think they'll pay a price. I think you'll see it, like you know, it's been stated here earlier, uh, the economy, but also um, everything else that he's done here with the trade deals, with uh, defense spending, building the strongest military, helping our farmers. Uh, it's on and on, uh, fighting terrorism, border security. So many successes. Going back to Iowa, all these successes translate into him leading against all four of the top Democrats in Iowa. Now, the latest polling shows that he's ahead of all of them. And he was in Iowa at a rally this past week as well. Uh, your thoughts on impeachment, the, the witness vote, uh, everything we've seen, and also Indiana's senators. Uh, as we spoke there with Senator Braun, he's really been visible front and center defending the, the, the president here in recent days. Yeah, I, I don't really even know where to start. I mean, I feel like I 
live in a parallel universe from Tony, particularly. Um, but uh, when you when you take and yet a, here you are next to each other. And here we yes. are together again um, for another week. Um, but what when you look at that impeachment trial, um, it's hard. And I say trial with quotes around it. It's hard to have a trial if you don't have witnesses, if there isn't evidence presented. And I think one of the most troubling pieces to me all the way through is that John Bolton's book is going to be coming out um, this spring. It's going to have all type of information in it. And there's an opportunity and has been an opportunity to hear from him as a witness. And these Republican senators don't want to hear what he has to say. And to me, it's ultimately becomes more about self-preservation. It becomes about power. It becomes less about um, is this the right thing to do? And frankly, if this were a Democratic president, these Republican senators would be calling for that president's head. Will your party have a price to, to pay down the road for, for that well, decision? Well, I think it depends on the forward. economy. I don't think people voting against witnesses, uh, you know, on Friday is going to, you know, destroy their political career in November. I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, on Monday we have the uh, Iowa caucuses. We're going to go right back into the Democratic news cycle. I'm, I'm disappointed in the Senate's vote on no witnesses. Like uh, Laura said, you know, they don't want to hear the facts. And that reminds me of Earl Langrebe in 1974 yeah, in Indiana who yeah. said, don't confuse me with the facts. I mean, if, if you're not in the Senate and the House to find the truth, then why are you there? Anything you think that your own party should have done differently here in this process? No, I think it, I mean, I actually think everybody got what they were expecting. I think the House and, and Pelosi handled our side of things well, and I think McConnell ran a tight ship and he got the votes and, and nothing happened, which is a problem, both to Mike and Laura's point. Like, we still don't know what happened and we mm -hmm. probably won't until after this process is over mm -hmm. and then we'll read all about it in other people's books. It's kind of the result people had anticipated. Yeah, and that's because nothing happened because there was no crime. There was no crime in, in either of those two articles of impeachment. This is Democrats hating the president and not presenting a real case. And the Senate looked at it. Uh, you know, it's not going to move forward. And that's the way it should be. American, the American public is uh, less and less interested. All of this is going to backfire. And, and we're going to see, in the end, uh, I think the Democrats losing the House. You, you but, can tell I live in a we live in a parallel universe because <coughs> I'm ceding my time to Mike Murphy. Well, I can, well, well, well. Tony, <laughs> no, I can say is that Tony illustrates, I think, or demonstrates the, the lack of knowledge that a lot of Americans have, and that is you do not have to have violated a federal criminal statute in order to be removed from office. It can be abuse of power. It can be uh, use of the presidency for personal gain. It does not have to violate. I mean, look at the founding fathers. Look at Alexander Hamilton. Look at George Mason. When they talked about how they put that process together, they specifically said you do not have to violate No, Mike, you're, you're absolutely wrong. It, it has to be a mm -hmm. bipartisan process. It's, this has been a partisan witch hunt, a, a partisan process, and that's why you've got Democrats and Republicans uh, on, on different sides. And that's why the American public realizes that it's the Democrats trying to divide well, decisions I, 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 over yeah, nothing, I, over but nothing. But you didn't even respond to my public, point. I said you don't, don't have to, to commit a crime. I don't think the American public is paying that much attention, frankly. You, you can't get convicted. Yeah. That's why you're not, that's why you're not <laughs> seeing conviction, Actually, even though there was an impeachment. She's the only lawyer at the table. Yeah, nominally. Uh, in terms of public opinion polling, though, 70% of people actually did want to have witnesses. 
50% think the president should be removed. That tracks largely along the lines of partisanship. But those other 20%, they thought they should hear from people. We got to move on and talk about Iowa here as well. We are your local election headquarters. Democrats preparing here for tomorrow's all-important Iowa caucus. It's been a real challenge for the senators running for president who've had to mainly be in D.C. for the impeachment trial. Senator Sanders has been surging in the polls, but it's former VP Joe Biden and former Mayor Pete Buttigieg who've had Iowa mainly to themselves. Every four years, democracy begins in Iowa. And now here we are. It's decision time, and on Monday, uh, that decision's going to be made. All right, so here's the latest Real Clear Politics average of all the recent polls in Iowa. The numbers have been very fluid, but you see Senator Sanders surging now ahead of the former VP by a couple points, former Mayor Pete Buttigieg in third. Sanders also leads in New Hampshire. Is he now the favorite in some respects? Well, he's also moving ahead in California. So I mean, the way it looks like right now, it looks like uh, Sanders, or Iowa, Sanders, New Hampshire, Biden, South Carolina. I'm not sure about Nevada yet. But then you're rolling right into Super, right into Tuesday, Super Tuesday, a lot of big yeah. states. And uh, Biden's, Biden's uh, looking good, and so is uh, Sanders. Is Bernie leading the way? What does that mean uh, for Democrats? I was a little surprised to see the surge in the polls in the last few days. Um, but I, 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 if someone tells you they know what's going to happen in Iowa, you should probably just discount their opinion because right. this is literally people in people's living rooms. we got to yeah. see what happens tomorrow night, right? We'll talk about it more on our podcast. All right, much more to come. We'll talk about a controversy at the State House this week involving the issue of local government control and marijuana enforcement. We'll have that for you after the break. At the State House this week, pushback against a prosecutor's plan to stop pursuing cases involving small amounts of marijuana, while others say this proposed new bill goes way too far. Kayla Sullivan has more from the State House. Some say no prosecute policies are a dangerous rising trend throughout the country. The author of this bill wants to give Indiana a tool to stop that. But others argue voters already have the power to do that at the ballot box. They say this bill is a local government takeover. If prosecutors don't have to carry out the laws of the state of Indiana, who will? Republican State Senator Mike Young says this bill isn't about marijuana. It's about the rule of law. Can you imagine if a prosecutor had a wholesale policy in his office? that they were not going to prosecute bias crimes, that would be wrong 100%. He says Marion County Prosecutor Ryan Mears' decision not to prosecute small amounts of marijuana is merely an example of a growing no-prosecute policy across the country. The Indiana Attorney General's office says these policies are concerning. If you don't like the laws on the books, come to the State House and lobby to change them. Don't just pick and choose to enforce the laws that you want to. But Prosecutor Ryan Mears views his role differently. He stands by his decision to stop prosecuting small amounts of marijuana in Marion County. It was very clear to us that this was having a disproportionate impact on people of color. Uh, and that is an incredible injustice. And if I'm aware of an injustice or if there is a law or a policy that disproportionately impacts people uh, in a way that does nothing to keep the community safe, uh, I think it's incumbent upon me to right that wrong. The Indiana Prosecuting Attorneys Council also opposes the bill, along with the ACLU of Indiana and several other groups. Prosecutorial discretion is the holy grail to us. Senate Bill 436 provides no transparency and only allows the state attorney general to substitute his discretion for that of a county prosecutor. If the AG decides to prosecute, the county would have to pay for it, not the state. No one testified in favor of this bill, 
but Attorney General Curtis Hill's representative says he isn't against it. We signed in as neutral on this bill. We did not ask for this provision, but we are happy, if asked by the General Assembly, to step up. Kayla Sullivan, CBS 4 News. Uh, this has turned into quite a controversy at the State House. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's bad public policy, and it's coming from a guy who, when he doesn't like um, the fact that he, they don't have political control in Marion County anymore, they're going to change the laws on the books to tilt to, to tilt um, favor over that. It's it's just wrong. I mean, it's 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 silly. Um, it is not a good use of time. Um, and again, this is also the guy who put forth the legislation to take away the four at-large Democratic counselors on the city county Senator, council. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to tilt it back in favor of the Republicans, we, which didn't work. You it's mentioned just last week. Not a smart idea. He may have a primary opponent, Senator Young, and also a Democrat in his district who's running against him. What, what do you think this happens This is here? a national movement. You're seeing Democrat, liberal prosecutors do this kind of thing throughout the, the country. It's, it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent, and it's a problem. I think for society. It's also ironic though because 80% of Hoosiers are in favor of marijuana legalization say, and yeah. we are so far behind especially in terms of our other states. We've yeah. got to leave it there. We'll talk more about it on our podcast. Uh, other news from the State House this week as we come up on the halfway mark of the session. So far one bill has already been signed into law by the governor to pay for higher education projects in cash. Democrats tried but failed to add amendments that would increase education and health care funding. Both parties showing support for bills that would hold schools harmless for iLearn scores and get rid of an externship requirement. Some other bills that are moving at the State House right now, as you see, dealing with accommodations for pregnant workers, a bill dealing with hands-free driving, and also a bill that would increase tobacco penalties, selling penalties for customers or for stores that sell to customers under the age of 21. Also this week, State Rep Dan Forrestal, who's facing criminal charges, making an appeal to fellow Democrats as he considers a run for re-election. All right, stick around. We're back right after this with more. All right, this week's winners and losers, Laura. Uh, Christina Hale. Her district has turned uh, red to blue, which is great. She's part of that program. Yeah. Tony. No winners or losers, just thoughts and prayers for Kobe. I'm wearing my Kobe tribute yeah. and his daughter and the others that perished in that uh, helicopter crash. Awful tragedy. Is, that was awful. Um, politics is my winner, though, this week because uh, we're, we're getting going in earnest. Mike? <laughs> One loser, a joint loser, House and Senate, Republicans and Democrats. What a mess that trial was. All right, we'll leave it there. We'll have much more on our podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday in Focus. All right, talking here on the podcast after the program with Mike Murphy, Jennifer Wagner, Tony Samuel, Laura Beck. A lot of conversation there about that bill at the State House and what happens next in terms of local government. Uh, those who are against the bill call it local government takeover, dealing with marijuana enforcement and what happens if, you know, a county prosecutor like Marion County says we're not going to enforce cases involving small amounts of marijuana. Now some at the State House, including State Senator Mike Young, trying to write a bill that would give the AG's office potentially control over those local governments when they well, make that decision. I, I suspect his horizon is pretty short, and that's getting through the primary. If he has Andy Harris, who's a tough politician, running against him, and then uh, that could be the reason he's really focusing in, in on his district and trying to figure out what they think, and they may think the way his policy goes. But think for a second a little bit larger. We have interfered with the Marion County prosecutor before when Mitch Daniels set up the Ethics Commission and all state government complaints went through the Ethics Commission before they went to the Marion County prosecutor. That was a complete block on the Marion County prosecutor because nobody, when you're a governor, I don't care if it's Mitch or Joe Kern or anybody, 
doesn't want the Marion County prosecutor of a different party looking right. over their shoulder. Was that, wasn't that Carl Brizzy at the time, though? Or was that... I don't recall. Yeah. Okay. It, it might have been Carl Brizzy. You still don't, you still yeah, don't want the Marion was, County prosecutor. Yeah, I think it was right. no, But a lot of it's, political it's, dynamics. Yeah, and also, right. like, just, like, I gotta be honest, right? Weed's not my thing, but, like, I have a lot of friends who like to smoke weed, right? They are not from one party or the other. That's this is true. a pretty bipartisan <laughs> issue, and it seems like a dumb one to pick a fight on in an election year when you might lose, I don't know, Republicans who like smoke pot. It's Mike Young being Mike Young. We all know that, but it's, you know, it's kind of funny to have Republicans who are typically local control, typically federalism, right. and then he's like, oh, but except for in this one instance. Right. And now we have to have Curtis Hill sweep in. I actually don't even know how that would work. Would Curtis Hill just come in and like charge only those crimes? What would he do in his regular role? I don't even know, because it's a weird, bad bill. Well, and it's also problematic, too, because the attorney, the, the state attorney general represents Marion County Prosecutor's Office um, in, in cases, often. They have a very... And appeals. Yeah, so appeals. They, they have a very strong working <laughs> I'm relationship. I'm appealing against myself. Right, so it, it makes, it, it's just, it's bad public policy. It's completely political. Um, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of task, taxpayer resources. And I think it's another reason why we've got to have redistricting reform because but somebody like a Mike Young does this all this, the time. This is another case of, again, you know, letting this go through the Senate, and it probably will make it through the Senate, and then either the House doesn't consider it and Mike Young gets his little district political right. victory yeah, it's all or it gets to the governor's yeah. desk and the governor doesn't Does it feel like it. one of those There's a lot of ways to stop it. going to cause a lot of controversy, but ultimately it probably so. doesn't get all the way to the finish line. probably doesn't get all the way and, and it is controversial, but I still look at the bigger picture. There are plenty of prosecutors starting to more and more uh, decriminal, criminal, decriminalize <laughs> issues and it's you know where does it stop it, it, it it's it's I think moving too far in the wrong direction but the gentleman in the soundbite I can't remember who it was that was testifying made a very good point one of the things that's pretty sacrosanct sacrosanct in Indiana is prosecutorial discretion exactly. we yeah, put the absolutely. laws out right but then every time we write a criminal law it does never does it say that prosecutors shall prosecute it says true. these are the standards, and then the prosecutor yep. makes the decisions. That's true. So changing topics, a lot of talk this week about legal precedent as it relates to the impeachment trial. I thought trial. you were going to say legal weed, and I was like, what? <laughs> no, we, we <laughs> covered that somewhat day. here, right? But, uh, you know, obviously... We've said weed now twice on the... We have today, it's yeah. Podcast, Just fine, on the podcast, right? though, right? We're good. Alan Dershowitz, uh, <laughs> Senator Braun referred to that and said that was uh, the, the argument that convinced him we didn't need to hear from witnesses. A lot's been made about Alan Dershowitz's um, theory. He said, I didn't really say that you know presidents can do anything um, in the national interest if it's in their own interest. What did you make of that argument and the, the I guess the uproar since, since then? Well, I, I think Alan Dershowitz is somewhat of a fraud, um, frankly. <laughs> uh, in an AP story, for example, in 1974, he was quoted as saying, I really, I really hate the fact that so many of these Watergate criminals, not Nixon, but the, the team members, mm -hmm. are being tried by blacks in Baltimore, um, or in D.C., I should say. Doesn't he wanted to move to Maryland lawyer. so he'd have more whites in the jury. Mm -hmm. And that quote has started to come back to bite him in the butt. I mean, he's, you know, a lot of these guys, these, these, these highfalutin lawyers, they say whatever they have to say to get a soundbite going and to get a, you know, another fee, frankly. <laughs> I was just gonna say, the bottom line, to a lot of people, I think a lot of the American public, is Democrats said 
this was a clear case. They said they've proven their case over and over again. They, they are still saying it today that they have proven their case, yet they still want more witnesses. The American public sees through this because they know that they ju the, the, the Democrats just want to drag this out, beat up on the, the president even more, get more and more folks that are in that independent lane that leaned and voted for Trump in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, those places, to think, oh, he's so terrible because these guys say it, they get so much TV coverage, he must, uh, you know. To your must point, what, what was your reaction to Senator Lamar Alexander's statement when he also said in his statement, Democrats, have, the House managers have proven their case? Did you think that was? Uh, well, I think the, okay. the way that he sees it is um, they've proven uh, that in, in Senator Alexander's mind that uh, he didn't act uh, the way that he should have. But that, at the same time, he's saying, and the bottom line is what he's saying, is that it wasn't impeachable. And that's also the same point. And that's where Senator... I just don't think that... That's that where Senator Braun... Uh, I think Senator Braun had his mind made up long before he heard from Alan Dershowitz. I mean, if Alan Dershowitz changes your mind, come on. I mean, he knew exactly going into that um, which way he was going to vote. And I mean, I... I don't think we would expect anything different from him. I frankly. think the only senator, the only Republican senator I am aware of that had not already made up his mind or her mind was Todd Young because he took the, the position of being a juror in his responsibility. I didn't speak about he, it to the he, media he took his responsibilities yeah. very seriously. Most of these guys were looking back at their base and looking back yeah, at their district or feeling the hand of Trump on top of them. Right. And they had no choice but to go along with it. Whether I don't care if it's Lamar Alexander or or Rand Paul but or anybody else. What I also think was interesting too about what Alexander said, what Rubio, what some of these other senators have said is that they're making this point, they're trying to crop, they're trying to like cut it both ways. They're trying to cut the baby in half. They're saying, well, the actions may not have been inappropriate. The, the actions may have been inappropriate. They're not saying this was a perfect phone call that Trump didn't do anything wrong. Um, they're just trying to find some wiggle room for themselves to keep their base happy and to keep the president happy. Senator Braun uh, said that again in our interview, that he thought it was not appropriate, but sure. not impeachable. Um, what do you make of Senator Braun? Noticed by President Trump, by the way, this week, who at a press conference said, Senator Braun, he's been on TV making the case. Yeah, uh, making the case, uh, you know, inappropriate but not impeachable. Sounds political to me, and everybody's like, to Lara's point, look, they all got to get reelected. They all got to come back home. They know in a state like Indiana, I mean, I still would expect Trump to probably win by double digits here. I'd be shocked if he didn't. And if you're in a state like that, you know that you know you can't come out and trash the president and still get reelected. You're setting the bar for bar high for Tony here. No, I'm setting I mean, it lower than last time, though. I mean, it was 18 last time. 19.6 last time. I'm saying I'm saying Tony's 10 like, or like 19.6. I don't think you're going to yeah. exceed your uh, your last cycle's uh, high water mark. No, I think so. I think he does everywhere. Um, I mean, look at the American public paying less and less attention, moving on with their lives. They, they focused a little bit here and there, but they never see anything convincing from the Democrats. So the parallel universe things are. We move now to right into 2020. <laughs> as, you, as you mentioned, it really starts in earnest this week, mm -hmm. not just with the Iowa caucus, but the State of the Union address. We go right into New Hampshire uh, the this week is after. A, this is also the week where people have to certify their, uh, yes. their, their yes. signature, right? Yeah. What's going to happen? And do the Democrats have a nominee? Well, do the Democrats have a nominee for governor? Right. Um, well, there's some of the presidential candidates who are kind of slipping yeah. back towards, you yeah. know, they're some not really not very high it. above yeah. 4,500. I think Bloomberg was still working to get and, on the ballot. And Biden yeah, only yeah. had 6,000, right. and so usually you try to get 
150% or 200% of what you need. Bloomberg, yeah. though, may be able to qualify for some of the debates coming up, DNC changing its uh, threshold for debates on Friday. But back to your point about signatures here in Indiana, uh, Adam Wren, who's on the program from time to time, reporting this week that the Mayor Hogsett had been reached out to by Democratic uh, state officials about possibly running and that he uh, essentially said no thanks. Well, that's that's an amazing decision for him to make because usually he runs for something right after he gets elected. All right, well, hang on, else. hang on. First of all, we're assuming that neither of the candidates makes the ballot this week. Which There's last, yeah. last I, mean, I heard, that on. one of them was at 3,500, one was at 2,500, and that was the middle of last week. So presumably they're going to get there. Do you think they'll both get there? I don't have any idea. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to make that prediction. But it wouldn't, I mean, of course, the natural person that you reach out to is Joe Hogsett. He's the mayor of the largest city. He's great at fundraising. Still has a lot in his Still has a lot of campaign. money. I mean, yeah. so yeah. why wouldn't he be reached out to as a potential if neither of the candidates gets across the signature threshold? I think you wait and see. Um, I think you wait and see. I think that I, I, I would not be surprised to see at least one go over the finish line. I mean, I, I think. But you know. there's other candidates. You guys, you know, we talked off camera a little bit, but you know, what about Dan Forrestal? He could run. You right? know what, Mike Murphy? You be quiet. Oh, Mike boy. You're just, just, you know, you just take your salt shaker, a salt shaker, you just put it right in the room. Representative Forrestal running Rude. for re-election, though. That's. Rude. I don't know why he's doing that. Yeah. I don't know why he's doing that, but. I am of the, you know, probably very old political view that if you do something, even if you haven't been convicted, as potentially as egregious as what Dan Forrestal did, you probably want to take like a, just take some time, gather your thoughts, maybe go to rehab, step down, have a nice progression to the next person because you're toast in politics, which sucks because he's a really good rep. Dan's my rep. He's a great guy. I consider him a good friend and I've known him for years and I really wish him well um, as he as he move for, moves forward and I really hope that this isn't and I, I don't think anyone wants us to be defining for him um, and I, I really uh, want the best for him frankly. Yeah. We'll see uh, we'll see what happens there anything else you're watching for here at the State House obviously the filing deadline um, and the second half of the legislation second half of the legislative session on the way too. Well yes in the middle of the week's going to be dominated by who who won Iowa yeah, yep. and who yep. lost and who feels like finally they've got to drop out before we yeah. move on to New Hampshire. Hopefully there'll be four or five of those people and then what does Trump say and you know how much of it is truthful and then what's the reaction to that on Wednesday and Thursday? I think the State of the Union will be really interesting. I've, I've, you know, at the State House, something we didn't talk about, there's a massive coal bailout bill that's moving. It'll be on third readings on Monday. Literally everybody but the coal industry has come out against it, so I'll have my eye on that. There was an odd uh, reference to whale oil slipped that into that bill not this helpful. week as well. Not yeah. particularly helpful because it kind <laughs> of took everybody's eye off the prize, which is why are we bailing out this industry that is old and dirty when all the utilities... IPL, NIPSCO, Vectran are all moving toward renewables. But hey, we'll see what they do. Another state house issue, if I could uh, plug something that I've been working on, as you guys know, for a few years now. Uh, the film and media production incentive, trying to attract more uh, movie and television and also music and other media. That's something we've here. reported on uh, Fox 59 here in recent been reported, weeks. Yeah. Uh, and it passed through the Senate Tax and Fiscal Policy Committee uh, earlier this week by, with a 12-0 unanimous vote heads to the full floor uh, of the Senate. There you Great. go. I All wish right. you luck on that because I remember the Orr administration trying to get that done in 1988, and I don't think wow. it's happened yet. Wow. I mean, the way back this is machine. the year. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Did they light yeah. your lamps with whale oil? <laughs> you guys love well. making predictions, right? It's Super Bowl Sunday, so before we go, 49ers, Chiefs, who wins tonight? 
Oh, 49ers. They have, a, Niners, they have yeah. an incredible. I like the Chiefs. I'd like to see them win, but I think you're but right. But they, 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 you know, Mahone's a great quarterback, better quarterback than San Francisco's, but San Francisco has the complete team. You know who wins? And a Purdue grad at running back. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, not the Patriots win. I, so everybody wins. We can wins. all celebrate. It's not, not the New England. I watch, I watch more sports than I would care to admit because of my 12-year-old and have watched all the playoff games. And he asked me the other day, who do you think is going to win? And I said, I think the Saints have a really good chance. <laughs> so, Mom. Go. I know. It's bad. I, I'm sort of rooting for San Francisco because of the Purdue guy, Mostert. He's yeah. had a great year, great What are you, great four touchdowns run. in the yeah, NFC Championship yeah, game? Wow. But I always look at the quarterbacks and who's more experienced and who's not. In this case, they both are uh, have about the same amount of experience. But I Even think guys, yeah. Mahomes is going to be better under the pressure than Garoppolo. So I'm going to give it to Kansas City and also Andy Reid. Yeah, it'd be neat to see Coach Andy Reid finally win yeah. one. We cover it all on the InFocus podcast. Yeah. A lot going on in <laughs> politics. A lot of sports today, too. We'll oh. see you next week. <laughs>